Stop with the fucking yawning. Bro. Did you say bro? The moon has changed, so my circadian rhythm has huh? changed. Isn't it fall equinox? I don't think so. Yes, it is. This, today's the first day of fall. It's fall equinox. Really? Quit today playing is? with me. Yes. I mean, I don't she know these things. Quit playing with me. Uh, the moon is changing. Things are changing. The Gatorade is still in microwave. Yeah, yeah, we know. We know. Six Whatever. planets. Huh? Six planets are in retrograde. What the? Hey, we better start the scene before I lose my fucking mind, man. <laughs> Rose like rips his headphones out and he's like, I'm done with this podcast. Okay. Oh, shit. That's the intro right there. Yep, there it is. That, you're welcome. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Health Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Nicole, and I am with my two wonderful co-hosts, Rowan Brooke. What's up, y'all? Hey. What's up? How's it going? How Brooke's in Costa Rica? Yeah, it's like, I'm not as good as Brooke is, but <laughs> it's fine. Life is good. I cannot complain. You can't. You cannot. Beautiful. <laughs> Everyone driving right now listening to this is just like, that's it. I'm going to drive into oncoming traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That okay. got real quick. <laughs> that's going to be a record. She's living her, her best uh, her best, best island life, and I'm going to my nine to five that I fucking hate. You know? <laughs> Ro, have a little bit more faith in people that they could have a little bit more joy than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. But, you know, sometimes we're the tip. We're the tip, you know? That uh, that tips it over the edge. Okay. I don't know what the hell I'm trying we're, to say. We're gonna tip say, someone I, over the I edge. Never, I never want to say I'm the tip again. <laughs> that, that just found, sound that right, sounded you know? really sexual. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, oh my god, what is happening? Are we done? Hey, speaking. What is it? Two minutes of, in. Wait, wait, wait. Are we done? <laughs> speaking of sexual, shout out to all my fans that uh, <laughs> all my fans that hit me up and said, you know what. We thought that the giraffe and throat joke was the best. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, I just need mm -hmm. some more of that validation because my two co-hosts just don't get it. Listen uh, to me, Ro. I went back and listened you know? to the podcast <laughs> and I'm just going to defend me and Brooke. No, no, I no, swear no, no, on my no, life, no. I don't think I heard it. <laughs> I don't think I heard you say that. I think there was a lot oh of overlap God. going on. So I'm <sighs> it's okay. I'm I was just, listening. I'm just saying to another podcast and they were talking about how his parents listen and so he tries to hold it together for like the first 10 minutes that his mom makes it through a <laughs> podcast so that he's not embarrassing and i was like we do the exact opposite yeah. we just are like we come right out, out of the, the gate, gate fucking swinging <laughs> I, I asked my Bro's dad like, here's I, my I, tip i don't know what he did <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about, but I was like, oh, yeah, we talked about it on this episode. And he's like, yeah, it's been a while since I listened. You know, you, you swear a lot. And I was like, dad, that's just who I am as a person, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, I thought about it. I was like, I wonder if he heard the comment about the throat and the giraffe and if he laughed heartily or if he just like kind of shook his head and was like, that's my fucking son, man. I can't believe I. <laughs> that's when he wrote you out of the will, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, good God. He's like, that boy's smart, but he's too smart for his own good. <laughs> wow. Uh, mm. Love you, Dad. Mm -hmm. Love you, Dad. <laughs> what are we anyway, drinking? Yeah. Bro, are you drinking? <laughs> 
Yeah, I have. Uh, I actually have a. Uh, what do you guys call them? A mocktail. Uh, Look at you. Just because, as I said earlier, uh, as I said, what the fuck? Why is this so formal? Um, I was talking off off the air or whatever that um, I've been crushing it today with my work. So I was like, you know what? We're gonna do this podcast. We're gonna have lunch, and then we're just gonna keep trucking. So I have a uh, like a tropical ginger mocktail i guess uh, i just didn't put any alcohol in it it's, it's good uh has like pineapple lime salt and then ginger beer whatever so nice yeah. and refreshing yeah. you know it's it's good pretend like i'm in costa rica but uh yeah <laughs> and brooks making your I'm mocktails <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, well when she got on the back she was like brooke what about you shake and not stir I definitely made um, my own. What's funny is I made the exact same thing I make in the United States. It's just mm. my orange juice, <laughs> uh, except the coconut water here is fresh. And yes. mm. I have some lime and then some pink Himalayan sea salt because that's all I could find. Normally I do Redmond's real salt. Um, but I definitely put way too much salt in it. So kind of feel like I'm, for whatever reason, it's making me like cringe. Like I'm drinking real alcohol like a really mm. salty margarita, but <laughs> oh I'm not. It's God. just, it's not alcohol. So this will be like, interesting. Why is this water spicy? <laughs> why is <it> so spicy? <laughs> oh my God. Well, you, Ro, now I'm carrying the podcast. So, Oh, baby! <laughs> I am drinking a ranch water and I'm drinking the red grapefruit flavor. Um, mm. I don't know if I can open this with my nails. Oh my god! Um, okay, I got it. Uh, oh, there it is. Um, yeah, I haven't tried this flavor yet. I don't think I have. You either. know, I, that's what I like. Mm, I love beer. You know, but like when it's like a hundred degrees and it's the middle of the day, like I don't want a beer. Like that's when I think like a seltzer is like a good call. Mm-hmm. And so like this mocktail is like if I had a seltzer, I would I would be drinking that. But I just have like IPAs and shit. Yeah, and like, I, just I just got done with my workout do and I'm like, PM. this is basically water. Yeah, it's ranch water. It's fine. Spicy water. Oh, we love it. (laughs) All right. Well, cheers, y'all. Glad we're podcasting. Cheers. Uh, Question of the week How much of the conditioning do you do with fighters that mostly do cardio, bro? Yeah. So, (laughs) this conversation I had uh, this past weekend. Actually, on my story, I don't know if you guys saw it. I posted that I used to train for uh, and got paid in sandwiches. Like, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the same conversation that I had. So, uh, shout out to to you, young Ro. But, <laughs> yeah, I had a friend that um, I think he was, like, in an argument or was getting ready to train a fighter. I'm not really sure. But he asked, you know, like, how much conditioning do you do with fighters? Um, and specifically, like, that's just, like, cardio, right? And I think that there's, like, a lot of nuance to um sport specific training and programming because generally when you train like a a, a, like a quote-unquote normal person or just like the general population you can throw in whatever right you're gonna do a little cardio a little strength training maybe some plyometric work for fun and blah 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 like it's not difficult it's it's simple it's still hard work but it's like simple programming uh with athletes and especially with fighters because that's what this person asked about um it has to be thought out a little bit more so the first thing is that like (laughs) you will never get better at your sport in the weight room like you will always do it no get better doing that sport so how do you condition someone to fight for three rounds 
that is what they're doing like in the ring or when they're sparring or whatever um and so your job as a strength and conditioning um coach or personal trainer whatever you want to call yourself is to help round out and develop the athlete in other ways that they're not touching in their sport so you know because uh, this person was like oh okay like so because they're used to doing work for let's just say five minutes for three rounds then shorter bouts of repeated hit training would be best for this athlete. And while that makes a little sense, because you're like, oh, you want them to be better at the thing that they're supposed to be doing in the ring. Uh, it It's not, right? Because they're already doing that multiple times a week based on whether it's like uh, training jujitsu, striking or whatever. They Most of the fighters are already kind of sticking to that three rounds of five minutes or whatever they're fighting for. So you want to make sure that you are helping to build the other base, especially with fighters. Um, they almost always have like a trash cardio system in that they're really good at sprinting. So they're like, yeah, first round, I'm going to get in. And I'm just going to like beat the shit out of this guy. And after that, like, I hope it doesn't go any further because then I'll be gassed. Okay. That's 66% of the fight left. And you're just going to like blow up in the first round. Like that doesn't make sense. So you want to take that athlete and be like, hey, we're going to do 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever, of just long, continuous work, keeping your heart rate at a certain zone so that we can build up that um, aerobic capacity. Now, do you want to pay someone to go in? And or like, do you want to get paid to have someone come in and just say, hey, ride a bike for 45 minutes? Like, no. So you can program your athlete to the outside and then you can work on different things. But we're talking specifically about conditioning. And so if you're going to condition any athlete, really, you want to look at what their sport demand is. You want to look at where they're at in their season. If they're already doing that, then you want to make sure that you're rounding out the rest of the athlete so that we can increase the capacity to do that again. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a, <clears throat> a quick, <laughs> quick way to answer that. But there's like always going to be questions like, how is this person going to win this fight? Um, what's the other person's weakness? How am I going to exploit that? And like, oh, that's just not my style. I'm not going to do that. So how am I going to work around that? And then it's your job to be like, fuck okay well i need to make sure that i do my job so humans aren't perfect i guess yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's a super complex process i would say mm. i'm just like it's never just black and white of like yeah, yeah, yeah. xyz there's always going to be things that come up that you make you pivot and yeah that's what being a good yeah. coach is <laughs> crazy right <laughs> all right so getting into today's topic this is going to be part two of myokines and in part one we covered what a myokine is and some of the most well understood ones the biggest takeaway from that episode was that muscle can act like an endocrine organ so it can affect the different systems of of the body and today we're going to talk more about how myokines act on fat cells, the brain, and the gut. So I'm sure this 
podcast is going to be full of good info and Ro's going to take <laughs> us on this journey. That'll so <laughs> Ro, question one. Um, can you just do a quick recap of what we covered in part one of Myokines in case someone doesn't have time to go back and listen to the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first thing I'll say is for sure go back and listen to yeah, the whole thing. For you sure. know? It's mostly me talking and, you know, I got that sweet sultry voice. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, Malkins are super cool, right? I I talked about that in that uh, the previous episode, but understand that skeletal muscle is huge. Takes up like, or it's made, it makes up like forty percent of the body, right? For some of us, a little more, some of us, a little less. Um, but it's a system. Right? Our body is like composed of a bunch of systems that make up the human body. Um, and so what this system does is it plays a role on other systems. Um, and it's not just like oh like my muscle affects my brain like how it's like that's how or that's what myokines do um you know it can it can be affected by systems and it can affect systems so if you have like heart failure or hepatitis then your body in general is not going to be as healthy as it could be um but specifically in your muscle like metabolic processes are going to be diminished and then you know on the on the other hand when you have muscle and it's healthy and you are like very strong uh it can affect other organs through physical activity in a positive way and that's what we're going to be talking about today is like how does it do that um i'm not going to get into like the uh the metabolic processes like specifically and stuff because i think 99 percent of people would not care and would not understand but i think it's cool to to understand that like what i do in my legs during leg day is going to affect my brain is going to affect my gut is going to make sure that I don't waste away as I get older and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, what we talked about was how myokines are muscle derived cytokines and uh, chemokines that act extensively on other organs. So our muscle is an endocrine organ. It helps to kind of stimulate a bunch of other systems. Um, and physical activity is one of, if not the best things you can do for your for your health, especially as you uh, age and stuff. So, um, yeah, excited to talk about crosstalk. And like I said, you should go and listen to that episode so you have a better understanding. Um, but if this is somehow the first episode you've ever listened to, welcome. You know, uh, this is a it's a good one to start. So, yeah, definitely. Ro is gonna serenade you with all of his PhD <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so let's start with something that we ended with in the last episode brooke brooke asked a question about how this is affected by aging or having more or less muscle so can we dig into that a little bit more yeah so uh <clears throat> muscle's almost always a good thing right the more you have unless you're you know 370 pounds and five percent body fat like an olympia bodybuilder like but those guys that's unnatural right and to be like a freak athlete you kind of have to do unnatural things but the more muscle you have generally the healthier you are um and we want that especially as you get into like older ages uh because one of the things that we talked about at the end of the last episode was how sarcopenia occurs and was that me yep there goes a fireman sorry uh so we talked about sarcopenia and sarcopenia is like it's this generally age-related process that happens and like your muscles get smaller they get weaker and they have poor functional capacity um 
So I think it's like what we understand as like generally what happens as you get older is you become more brittle, do less things, and then you you slowly wither away and die, right? Uh, It leads to things like falls. I mean, like, you know, like if you just like sit on your couch all day and then like next thing you know, you're 80 and you're like, holy shit, like I I can't go up the stairs. And then you need one of the chairlifts and stuff like or, like, I can't garden anymore. Like, bro, imagine you being like, oh, I can't get my fresh jalapeno. It's like, it's just, <laughs> it's debilitating, okay. right? Uh, Sounds like you're like, you know? that's going to yeah. be 80-year-old me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, I'm a free bird still. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, sarcopenia, I, I think, naturally happens. We talked at the end of the episode about, like, to what degree, how much can we stave it off uh, if we are just active and strong? I don't know yet because, like, I don't know how many people are, like, active up until the day they, like, pass away pretty much and how it's hard to kind of think about uh, whether studies are including those people or not. But there's a lot of reasons that it happens, uh, not just from, like, the aging standpoint. Um, but there's research coming out that some of it may be due to high amounts of fat uh, and the cytokines that are released from fat. And so when you look at uh, an adipocyte or a fat cell. When you have too much, um, it's really interesting because what they start to do is they they almost start to like uh, suffocate themselves because there's an overabundance in this limited space. And so as you start to suffocate your fat cells and the cells surrounding it, then you have an increase in inflammatory markers. Um, And so this is going to tell your body like, oh, I'm sick. Something's happening, right? I'm in a disease state because I'm slowly dying because I'm pinching off blood uh, vessels or taking more resources from uh, quote unquote healthier cells or whatever. Uh, And so one of the things that exercise does is not just reduce fat, like that's always going to be like a benefit of exercise. But from a molecular standpoint, myokines are going to help with the negative effects that come with just having too much uh, like body fat than you're like supposed to like naturally. And so ones I want to talk about that relate to sarcopenia and specifically like sarcopenia and fat uh, are myostatin and irisine. So we did mention myostatin um, and I believe irisine in the past episode um, and myostatin, I think it it gets a bad rep <laughs> because it what it does is it um, decreases muscle hypertrophy, um, which is sometimes a good thing, right? Because like if you are growing in this way that is is uncontrolled, right, then you might get cancer cells, or you might get too much muscle in in like maybe your heart or something, uh, and that's not always a good thing. But myostatin generally is looked at as a negative regulator of muscle mass because it's going to downregulate muscle protein synthesis. And then it's also going to increase atrophy and reduce glucose uptake. And in an episode uh, where I don't remember the number, but we talked about how type 2 diabetes can be helped with just having more muscle because it helps with glucose uptake. This is a bad thing, right? Because then myostatin is like, well, we're going to make sure or we're going to consequently at least decrease the ability of or the amount of sugar that we can uptake. So myostatin can increase as we age. Um, and the older you get, the more myostatin is generally found in your blood serum. Um, 
And there have been studies where there are correlations to high amounts of myostatin in the blood and decreases in like muscle hand grip strength. And that's just an easy way to test for strength, right? But it's like, oh, if you are not as strong, you're going to have high levels of myostatin, which means, well, decreased levels of muscle, maybe some stuff with glucose regulation. Um, and then when you look at that independent of people with obesity and then also older people that have obesity, then it's worse, right? Myostatin is way higher. And so those negative correlations become even more increased. Uh, and while this has seen like, there's a lot of evidence in rats right now, there's slowly more and more evidence coming out in humans being like, oh man, myostatin is maybe not like a, just like a thing to regulate bad things, but maybe the cause of some of the bad things when it comes to um, uh, muscle hypertrophy and just like strength gains and stuff like that. And so that's going to be our like inflammatory um, that can be derived from the muscle as a myokine, especially when it's like weaker or like getting hurt or something. Uh, it's going to release that, <clears throat> but also it's going to be released from other um, cellular processes. The anti-inflammatory that kind of works hand in hand with uh, myostatin is going to be irisine, which I believe we talked about because I mentioned how it helps uh, kind of inhibit uh, myostatin. So irisin is the opposite. It's directly associated with muscle mass and strength. So if you have high amounts of muscle mass, high amounts of strength, generally we're going to see uh, larger amounts of irisine within your blood. Um, and you know, I, I know this one a little bit more when it comes to pathways. So if like you understand the stuff, it may activate AKT and ERK signaling, um, which is going to lead to an increase in mTOR, which generally is going to lead to an increase in hypertrophy. But um, there's also some evidence that irisine works directly on myostatin to inhibit it. So as you are doing exercise, as you are doing the contractions, as you are just living a healthy lifestyle, you're going to release myokines, you're going to release irisine, and so you're going to actively play a role in, you know, decreasing the amount of myostatin that comes from being inactive. So the bigger you are, it would, and the more muscle you have, the more irisine you have, and then in the opposite, the bigger you are, and the more amount of fat you have, you tend to have more myostatin. So um, yeah, exercise is going to play like a a clear and direct role with the release of those myokines. Um, but it's interesting to see like what else myosatin and irisin do and what other myokines do like all over the place. So yeah, I mean, it's, you don't want to get old and decrepit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, lift weights, mm -hmm. live forever. <laughs> that might be my new shirt. Lift weights, live forever. Yeah. Bam. Now that. <laughs> and if you're like explaining this to someone who is just like, just getting into exercise, like, what do you, instead of, like, all just, like, the big words or whatever that yeah, we wouldn't yeah, bring yeah. up in regular conversation. <laughs> oh, like, like what first you, day. Like, <laughs> is it more so of this, like, we want to do this so as we age, we can continue to do things like walk up the stairs, sit on the yeah. toilet, things like that. Is that what you're kind of Absolutely. explaining? 
Yeah, so the like I said, the the nuance to all this stuff is like it's very interesting, but like ninety nine percent of people are going to be like, oh, so what do I do to be healthier? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't need to understand this. First thing I would say is like, oh, check out the Health and Filter podcast. But yeah, it would be that you know, the younger you are now, the the more fit you are, the easier it is to to increase that fitness and to be healthier for you know the rest of your life. Um, and I, yeah, I'll never talk to. A client about her like oh actually like we want more irisine and that's going to help with muscle atrophy they're going to be like is this going to make my biceps bigger i'm like yeah. yes <laughs> uh and that's really all you need to know right um but yeah i mean think about how much freedom you have as like if you are able-bodied full-bodied and you're like i can go and do whatever the fuck i want mm-hmm. and generally be okay um at some point that may go away because you are not doing it mm-hmm. right um and life happens fast. I mean, I, I I just said I just got an email that you know I'm uh, I have to renew my license because I'm going to be thirty. And <laughs> where did the ten years go? You know, yeah. and and I think life just kind of like picks up. And at some point, you're like fifty and you have four kids, and you're like, oh, when's the last time I like jumped or sprinted mm-hmm. or did anything and or just went on a hike? And uh, soon things just get harder. So yeah, for sure, it would be like we want to lift now so that you can continue to lift and have the capacity to do whatever you want outside of the gym um as you get older mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah and i think it's really easy to to get into that comparison mode of just like being an able-bodied person like this is a huge blessing and privilege mm-hmm. and when even like the minorest things happen like injury and it takes Like I've been spending almost two years now rebuilding strength and the ability to do things like a box jump and lunges because of like just the way like my knee and my hip was not cooperating. And you get into those moments, you're like, damn, (laughs) like it is so it like we're so lucky to be able to do this Um, just like being. And so it's easy to get into this comparison mode too of like, Oh, well I was doing X, Y, Z five years ago. And I think the biggest advice here would just be like, we've always kind of said is just start. Even if you are doing one time a week and just like working your way up, like don't be discouraged by that because it's all important. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I squatted 405. I used to, but now if I did that, my literal back would explode. So, you know, okay, I just got like above a hundred pounds like the other week and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. You're like, we're back, baby. Yeah. Life is funny like that. Mm -hmm. But just keep slowly building. It's everything's working. It's going to be okay. Um, Are there other cytokines that play a role in sarcopenia? Yeah, so uh, this kind of went back to the higher fat or goes back to the to the higher fat thing. So there's a lot of evidence coming out um, about how, you know, I talked about how when those you have an increased amount of fat cells, um, you are suffocating your, your body pretty much and causing disease and blah, blah, blah. But um, every, I don't want to say every, but you think about like, you think about it, every cell talks to another cell in some way, shape, or form. And fat cells release cytokines, and those are called adipokines. Uh, and the main ones that we talk about are like leptin and adiponectin. So leptin, do you all deal with leptin a lot? Because I, I feel, I when I think of leptin, I think of like leptin and ghrelin. Um, and in the context of like hunger, I don't remember. Um, yeah, them. I do definitely... It does. It has something to do 
Yeah, it's like hunger yes. signaling and stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't do anything with it. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, you're like, like how are your left like level? <laughs> yeah. applications, but. <laughs> well, damn it, Brooke. That's why your business is not doing that great. And I'm kidding. She's <laughs> fucking crushing it. So uh, it <laughs> turns out you don't need to know shit about leptin. So you can turn off the podcast here. If I was going to. Uh, well, I think it's like, well, in research, like there, I'm sure there's like cool, super cool research people are doing. But like, yeah. no, that's not what we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Practical application which, which over here, uh so leptin is as an adipokine at least uh what it does is leptin is going to act as a pro-inflammatory uh and so that's directly related to whole body fat um and there's evidence that it helps to regulate energy balance via the hypothalamus so the the weird thing i guess is that like just like everything there's like a healthy range um and it's kind of like a u-shaped curve uh, because in the context of sarco- sarcopenia, right, the amount of fat may be okay when you're younger. As you get older, it becomes worse, but not enough. It's bad, and too much, it's bad, right? So <laughs> we talk about nuance, right? Uh, like, oh, man, like, it's okay. I'm 55. It's like, well, once you're 65, it may not be okay. Um, but with leptin, they took mice, and they infused them with it. Uh, and it's interesting because leptin, uh, at least in these mice, helped to increase muscle fiber size. But when you aged the rats and you did the same thing, uh, it caused inflammation, caused atrophy, and then those rats also tended to have more fat. And so you kind of take that and you're like, okay, well, like, what does that mean in humans? What's a human research like? Um, it's a bit different, but it's suggesting that the degree of fat within the muscle may be linked to leptin. So your body, or specifically your muscle, stores fat uh, as intramuscular triglycerides. You need it because it's a fuel source. All of us have fat in our muscles. It's not just glucose. But if you have higher amounts of fat within your body, it has to get stored somewhere and then that's when you have too much fat or too much fat for your muscles to be able to handle. So when it's like that, then leptin may cause a deterioration of metabolic and physiological functions of the actual tissue. Um, I don't know how, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, there was also like a, a three and a half year study. Um, they did a longitudinal study that saw older adults with the highest serum leptin concentrations had the highest incidence of frailty and muscle weakness. So when you look at as you age, leptin may become more inflammatory just because of some reason. Um, And so that's where we want to maybe increase our anti-inflammatories. And you're going to do that with adiponectin. So with adiponectin, that's going to be our anti-inflammatory adipokine or cytokine that comes from the uh, fat, but it may regulate stuff through the breakdown of fats and glucose uptake, like all that good stuff. Um, But I just think that it's like, it's interesting that as you age, you're kind of in a different set of rules, Um, which means it's so much harder for you to take information in and be like, wait, I'm doing the same thing that this person's doing. Like, why am I not seeing these results or whatever? It's like, well, because you're older. And for some reason, 
these cytokines, these myokines, these adipokines may be playing a different role. Uh, and so you want to chalk that up to what you said earlier, Nicole, about like, I just started exercising. Why is this important? Blah, blah, blah. Well, because at some point down the line, the rules change and you want to be more robust now so that when those rules change, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm good. This isn't going to affect me as much or I'm going to have like so much of a buffer that like I won't notice it until until I die. You know what I mean? So um, it's just crazy to think about how like, yes, myokines are their cytokines released from muscles, but like cytokines and adipokines like are all kind of the same thing they're just kind of released from different things and they're all going to interact with one another because if i'm exercising then not only am i burning fat which is going to release these or reduce the pro-inflammatory um adipokines but it's going to at a cellular level like combat them just from kind of the same signal processes so um yeah i have a question on that in the research they're doing maybe there's not answers on this yet because you mentioned it's mostly in like rats but do they have an ideal like ratio of where like the tipping point is you know like where's the tipping point of like this is the amount of lean muscle mass we want to a ratio of fat mass before we see like a negative impact with the mitochines yeah i i don't know if um i haven't seen anything i don't know if it's just not out there or if I haven't read it. But like even if there even if there was a study that came out, like you'd have to look at people from all shapes and sizes, all heights, all races, because like that all I you know, we're all generally playing in the same in like in the same with the same rules or whatever, but like for some reason genetically I may be able to handle a little more or a little less than you because of I don't know, some fucking ancestor way, way, way down the line. Um, so that's even a study that I would have to take with a grain of salt and be like, well, compared to what? Yeah, there's Did so many different this factors. Person? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That would be cool. It's not a study that I want to do. That seems like a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so somebody somebody go out and do that. That would cost a lot of money, too. That would be a very, um, very expensive study. But I, yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah, like bridging I mean, that I, gap, I guess, between the the research and like, okay, the practical application. Like, what does it look like in in practice? Is like where my head goes. Yeah, well, I mean, the practicality is like lift, so you get more muscle, and like that's it. You know, like you want to put on as much muscle as you can, but no one's saying like you have to have exactly twenty six point three kilograms. Of, no, shut up. Just yeah. lift, eat right, get stronger, and you're gonna get these benefits. But uh, yeah, <laughs> a little definitely get lost in the weeds if you're like, wait a second. <laughs> no more curls because you'll get too big like whatever so Ro you mentioned high amounts of fat not being optimal so how does exercise improve crosstalk and how does it help with things like sarcopenia yeah so crosstalk is like the, the cool shit with myokines uh, uh, because we talked about how when you release signals, you have like, in, in the previous episode at least, you have autocrine, uh, paracrine, and endocrine signaling. And so when we think about crosstalk, this is not my muscle talking to my muscle or my muscle talking to like the blood vessel that's connecting to it. This is my muscle talking to my brain, my gut, my all these things, right? Um, through the blood vessels, right? Because that's like the thing that's going to supply everything. Um, 
but I will die on this hill. There's not many hills I will die on, but like exercise is the most potent intervention for like helping things with sarcopenia. And of course it makes sense. Like if your muscles are the things withering away, then you want to train your muscle, right? Sleep is always going to be good. Nutrition is always going to be good. Stress reduction is always going to be good. And you should do all those things. But if you're like, wow, I don't want to get old and weak. Oh, then stay strong or get stronger. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, I, I don't know why I got like so animated when I was reading because like I read this sentence that, you know, was like, well, we're not sure. And I was like, seems pretty obvious to me that like <laughs> you lift to get stronger so you don't get weaker. Um, but yeah, I mean, lift weights, live forever, right? But it helps in, in a couple different ways because the myokines specifically are going to do things. Um, they're going to help with changes in body fat, and then they're going to help with changes in the receptors themselves. So we know that as you exercise, you improve muscle size and strength. It's always going to happen. We now know that you're going to decrease myostatin and increase irisine, right? This things that we just talked about, excuse me. But there are studies where all of these things can happen, like every subject gets stronger, not every, <laughs> the mean average, right? The, the group itself uh, gets stronger, loses body fat, like all of these like health parameters or performance parameters, they all get better. But myosin and irisine don't change, or they change in an opposite way where you're like, oh, that's interesting. I thought that more irisine was good and myostatin was bad. Um, and that may have to do with the fact that when you exercise, like you lose fat. So, I mean, generally, right? Uh, a lot of things to play there. But if you have the cytokines and the bad things that come from high amounts of fat and you have, you know, the good things that come from high amounts of muscle, if I get stronger and I have more uh, myokines, then I may not have to change anything in the muscle area because I have a decrease in the fat area, which means that I have a decrease in the negative area, and that is a net positive. And so that may be one of the reasons why, like, the myokines themselves don't change, but it's because you've had a reduction in the negative cytokines. So your body doesn't have to pump out as much because it's like, oh, we just made things easier for us. So why would I work twice as hard or whatever? I mean, butter's very smart, right? It's going to try to do, like, the most <laughs> optimal thing. Uh, and then specifically the receptors. So as you exercise, you may create more receptors on the plasma membrane. So you become more receptive to that signaling. So I don't have to pump out more because my body is going to take it up more and these changes are going to happen regardless. Um, so the amount, and it, you know, this is like one of those things where it's difficult. I'm glad that you, you, Nicole, you know, you said like, optimal amounts of fat because I said like high amounts or bad amounts or something um, because it is like a, you know, a sensitive, tricky subject, but high amounts of fat like will always negatively impact or change the way that myokines work. Um, so you have to like exercise so that you have stronger myokines to kind of like work against that negative. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's stuff that there needs to be more research on, especially in humans it's interesting to see how that stuff changes um, as you lose fat, as you gain muscle, as you age, as you do different types of exercise. But um, yeah, it just uh, it is really cool how muscles like specifically talk to fat cells to be like, hey, 
we're going to do the good thing now Mm -hmm. and we need less of you (laughs) so skedaddle yeah it's interesting how our body like it's doing all these super intricate things that we can never fully understand um not at all and how like we show up and the habits that we have and the things that we can add to our lives to support like this communication process it's so insane to think about like our bodies as like there's all these different almost like neighborhoods (laughs) in our bodies and they're all just like trying to communicate to each other and if we maybe don't have like a solid sleep schedule or if we're super stressed out or if we're not moving our bodies um, in a way that feels supportive um, and nourishing our bodies as well, that these things may not be able to be communicated in the right way. Yeah. And, and I know that like, it's, you know, going back to the person who just starting, right. They're always thinking fat and muscle Mm -hmm. because I, that's just how we're, program maybe not even program but how we're marketed to for sure but like we're gonna talk about the brain and the gut and like all the other cool things that your body does so when you switch from like i'm exercising to like lose this belly fat and get a six-pack to being like oh fuck yeah i'm strong i feel better i'm smarter like it just makes life way easier and it makes lifting more enjoyable because like you're never going to automatically like see fat disappear right Mm -hmm. it's a long arduous process for some um but you will leave the gym and be like well i'm in a better mood today Mm -hmm. oh i can focus a little more right my stomach doesn't hurt and you focus on those things and it's like oh wow this is more than just more muscle Mm -hmm. less fat yeah i think for me especially um just as in the season of life that i am it's very easy to get stressed out and anxious and like all these thoughts are just like all over the place for sure and exercise is what brings me back to the floor like it is truly what grounds me and i'm just like feeling my feet press into the ground while i try to lift something up um it's just like a really cool process and i think like when you connect with your body in that way you you see exercise for so much more than what you maybe got into it in the first place for sure you evolve. Yeah. There's definitely. more to life than being jacked. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about Rose that. Rose is going to disagree. Rose like, this is my life mission. Stop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and talking about like communication, I think a lot of people know a lot of the benefits of exercise for fat and muscle, but how does skeletal muscle talk to the brain? Yeah. So I, there's like tons of research, right? But you can also just talk to anyone. It's just like, when you work out, generally, you feel better, mm-hmm. right? Exercise has been shown a billion times to improve things like cognition, memory, motor coordination. You just get better at using your brain because of increased blood flow, for sure. The fact that you're focusing on something that you enjoy or a different task, um, but also these mild kinds that we're gonna that we're gonna get into. Um, but like how, right? Well, there has to be something that um, that kind of goes into it, right? It's not just that like your brain just knows to, to be better, but there has to be some sort of change in cognitive function or metabolism that, that uh, is going to cause this to do it. But some of the big mild kinds um, when it comes to uh, the brain, at least, we're going to have... C- cathepsin B and FNDC5. 
And FNDC5, if I'm not mistaken, is like a derivative of irisine or is irisine. Um, so we've already kind of talked about irisine. So it's cool to, to see that like it doesn't just affect the muscle, but that same molecule or that same protein is also going to travel up to the brain and, and do something. Um, if you're unaware, your brain has this thing called the blood-brain barrier. And its main focus is to be like small and big enough to receive important molecules while also keeping bad things out. So, you know, you're sick. You don't want these viruses to go and infect your brain, right? Um, but when you're exercising and you're creating lactate, uh, you want to shuttle that up to the brain to, to use it in some way. Um, maybe that passes through the blood-brain barrier. Uh, but we do know that certain myokines either can pass through or are able to create some sort of derivative that passes through and then increases that myokine production uh, within the brain itself. So with CTSB, right, uh, you exercise and if I'm not mistaken, through um, PGC1-alpha, which is, you know, just a, an aerobic uh, like mediator, I guess, V1, uh, we're going to create CTSB and that can pass through the blood-brain barrier. And once it's passed through, it's going to stimulate the production of brain-derived neurotropic factor or BDNF. Um, BDNF has like blown up in the research in the past five, 10 years. You listen to any sort of like brain podcast, brain and health podcast, brain and exercise podcast, you're going to somehow hear BDNF. Um, and this is another one, right? Uh, but it's because BDNF plays such a big role in neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity is like a, a I think a buzzword that gets thrown out a lot, but it's just the brain's ability to modify, change and adapt both in structure and function um, throughout life and in response to an experience. So when you're learning something, that is an experience, right? Uh, if you have more neuroplasticity, your ability to learn, your ability to retain skills and stuff like that increases. So if you have higher amounts of BDNF, then you have a greater capacity to learn and to do all these things that your brain is uh, <laughs> meant to do, right? Like sitting through a podcast and listening about fucking BDNF. Um, but BDNF can can also help with the reduction in the production of um, these things called uh, amyloid beta peptides. And I'm not fully uh, like caught up on what those do, but I do know that they play a role in Alzheimer's. Um, either making it worse or starting the process of getting Alzheimer's. Um, and so when we think about why exercise is important, right? Like you're fighting off or making Alzheimer's like less impactful um, if you do have it. And, you know, so I mean, it's like when my grandma was suffering from Alzheimer's, in my mind, I was like, I don't know, let's get her to move more, right? <laughs> do some more exercise. But it's definitely, it's harder than that. Um, but it's good to know that like exercise is a tool that we can use to help fight off maybe hereditary uh, Alzheimer's or like environmentally, like um, not activated for lack of a better word, like Alzheimer's just from like being sedentary and not using your brain as much. Um, yeah. And like so a, yeah. A little side note plugs. I've been learning a lot about this. Um, they think now there's like 36 to 40 different markers that you can are within your control in a sense when it comes to Alzheimer's. And I highly recommend the work of um, 
Dr. Dale Bredesen. He has a really good book. Like if you're interested in, okay, this is like a genetic thing in my family. Like mm-hmm. what can I do to make sure that I'm not making these 36 to 40 markers worse? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that like um, uh, my my mom got uh, tested for like the genetic marker. And I guess that the type of Alzheimer's my grandma had like wasn't the genetic one. You know, so like you look back and you're like, wow, 40 years ago, if she had started exercising, you know, you can always like think about things that you could have, quote unquote, done better. Um, But it's good to know that as a family, like, okay, like, this is not something that like inherently is going to like affect me. But if I don't exercise and I don't like treat myself well, then the chance is higher because it has happened to someone close right it's not like my great 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 grandpa or whatever it's like my grandma had alzheimer's that is one generation removed you know uh and especially like my my parents and my you know aunts and uncles i'm like wow you guys we gotta start doing something now you know just so that Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. things don't um get worse so i'm gonna plug this to them shout out to my family if this is your first time listening uh yeah (laughs) well it's definitely it's definitely scary to deal with it and like for Mm -hmm. reference just like for someone listening like it's the food you eat it's the alcohol Mm. and drugs you do or do not consume it's the micronutrient deficiencies and like that's why this all-encompassing holistic stuff that we talk about all the time on this podcast is so important yeah for sure yeah this is like specific to myokines right like of course exercise is going to help all blah but you can't out exercise a life of drugs lack of sleep food just like you said so sorry finance bros um but uh yeah so we talked about bdnf uh and then so irisine or fndc5 um can cross the blood brain barrier um especially during exercise so not going to get into the the physiology of it, but um, it does activate certain processes, AKT and cyclic AMP, and that is going to help to increase BDNF production within the hippocampus, which is an area in the brain. And that's going to help with neurogenesis and neuron survival. And what those words mean is that it's going to help with the neuron genesis, neuron creation within the brain, and then neuron survival, right? To make sure that those neurons uh don't die off right because it it's kind of like if you don't use your brain right it's just like well i'm done learning right it's not that simple but your capacity to learn things becomes much more difficult so if we can increase and increase our capacity to learn then life becomes easier our ability to learn things becomes easier and it's really just like a memory on your computer right like you're like okay maybe i have a terabyte well like let's get another terabyte you crack open your computer you plug another one in it's fine um that's that's like what these myokines are is that they're helping to get more terabytes within your brain so that you can continue to do more complex work continue to learn different things um and to just utilize your brain because you know i i think like i said as you get older you're just kind of like no nah, i'm not gonna use it anymore you're like, okay, well, <laughs> kind of need to keep using that. So, uh, yeah, exercise helps like specifically with those those myokines that can help stimulate the brain to do what it needs to do to continue to to live and prosper and um, tell stories on a podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like myokines are playing a role in almost every part of the body. 
Mm. Um, <laughs> That's all we need, big muscles, baby. <laughs> and I know how much you love to be complimented on your big, juicy brain, bro. So... <laughs> Thank you for sharing thank all your thank you <laughs> all your knowledge. This is definitely super interesting. Um because I'm so fit. <laughs> I know it's it's because you have so much muscle. That's how you have such a big brain. Um yes. I'm just gonna repeat that as I fall asleep oh every God. night. This I'm is his new <laughs> mantra. This is what he will meditate on. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so let's just add another another part of the body to the mix. Um do you like we talk about the gut a lot on the podcast as well mm. do you have any information on how mild kinds affect the gut yeah so there's this uh there's this let me use my thick juicy brain thick um, and juicy. Th- there's like this uh i believe it's called the muscle gut axis and it's really just like how those two play a role on each other um, I'm sure if, you know, you ask Brooke, who is like, you know, the gut is the second brain, the gut is like the most important blah, blah, it's easy to say like the gut affects the muscle. And then you act, uh, you ask a muscle physio- physiologist and it's like, well, the muscle acts on the gut. Like, who gives a shit? You know, mm-hmm. they play a role on each other. Mm-hmm. Which one does which doesn't matter. Um, but there is a specific communication that those two things have. Um, and I think it makes sense because generally more fit people are going to like not have like they're gonna like generally eat better because they're like well i have to fuel my workouts blah blah blah, and and you guys have more experience with this uh than i do but if you are consistently having like gut issues digestive issues it's very hard to be active it's very hard to live your life and so it's harder to become fit or fitter when you're like, I feel like I'm going to shit myself every 20 minutes. You know what I mean? And like, That's very dramatic. Hopefully no, that's not happening to anyone well, listening. I mean, but, but yes, but, noted. You know what I'm saying, right? Yes. Like, it, it, it is harder. Or maybe on, on a less dramatic scale, like I'm always fatigued because I'm, I'm malnourished. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not shitting yourself <laughs> every five probably, minutes. That's probably but, super common. Like the low yeah. energy. You yeah. Know? It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Shitting you're like, yourself I would every put five myself seconds now. <laughs> uh but you know it's like it's the these two systems right they're they're all within the body as as one whole but they they are separate but they also talk right um and so there is a study that came out i don't remember the year but they looked at the like um the gut microbiota between uh athletes with lower bmis and lower uh body fat and uh, people who were classified as like non-athletes and higher BMIs and, and higher body fat. Um, the the athletes that were more in shape um, than the, this control group, excuse me, they had more diverse intestinal flora and they had more amounts of bacteria. So, you know, you talk about how it's like this micro ecosystem that has like billions and billions of different bacteria and shit that we still don't know about like when you are active and more fit and have you know less fat and like all these things that we consider to be healthy your shocker gut is healthier you know what i mean uh and i'm sure that in that study there was like a lot of ways they didn't control for diet they're looking just at activity levels um but generally the fitter healthier person is going to have these habits that make them that way so it's not just that like again you can't like 
like, oh yeah, I have a shitty lifestyle, but I'm just going to lift more at the gym and my gut's going to be fine. Like, no, but you can draw conclusions that the fitter and healthier you are, the more muscle you have and things like that, the better or healthier bacteria you're going to have within your, um, within your gut. And one of the other things that they looked at is uh, there's a class of bacteria, uh, acromantia, um, that's shown to be... I don't know. Yeah, That's maybe. Agamantia. <laughs> yeah, Mantia. It was like spelled like S E A E A E A E C E A, and I was like, just put like an S I A. You know, uh, fucking nerd bacteria biologists being like, let's make this difficult. Uh, but they, uh, what they found was that like there was significantly higher in an athlete's gut. And that is negatively associated with obesity and related metabolic disorders. So specific to the that one um, class or family of bacteria or phylum, I don't really understand. I don't remember <laughs> biology 101. Uh, if you are going to have or if you have more of that, generally you are healthier. Um, and yeah, you know, that's not saying you should like supplement with this one bacteria and it's going to make you healthier, but it is one of those things where you can look at like specific groups of bacteria and say like, oh, healthier people have more of this. Sicker people have less of this and maybe more of whatever. Yeah, that's uh, like exactly what Nicole and I do with gut health testing that we keep yeah. trying to get you to do, Ro, because mm-hmm. I think it'd be super entertaining to have Let's like see a how live much podcast. Acromantia you got. <laughs> I would, I would, I would have. I mean, it would be off the charts. They would be like, off the he charts, broke our machine. I, I, we've never seen a gut like this before, and I'd be like, yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> with that big juicy wow. brain. <laughs> yeah. They're In like, does this people... guy fucking lift the entire gym? We can tell by his acromantia. Um, yeah. In most people, this is like below detectable limits, yeah. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you want to use food, uh, red polyphenols are actually something that they found that will help specifically increase this bacteria strain. So that's like cranberries, raspberries, think like red or deep, like purple colored fruits and vegetables is something you can use. And there's a whole book. I'm just going to keep giving you guys all my books that are, you know, listening, (laughs) um, called the athlete's gut. Fascinating. And it talks a lot about this stuff. And I think it's freaking rad. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, again, it's like we take a holistic approach to all these things right because uh, you know i would never read those things and be like you just gotta squat more dude (laughs) (laughs) a stupid thing to say uh but when we look at this data within the context of exercise and physical activity levels like we know or i guess we don't know but we can like guess pretty well that physical activity is going to play a direct positive role on your gut microbiota. So it's like just another piece of the puzzle that you have to be doing some sort of exercise. I'm not telling you to get into bodybuilding. I'm not telling you how to do CrossFit. If you like to rollerblade, like I know Nicole does, and I we just started and my fucking ankles <laughs> cannot handle that shit. It's a lot of fun, but like I have one flat foot and one non-flat foot. Oh so oh one God. just cramps up the entire time. Like... It's fun. I'm not going to do it for three hours, though. I'm going to die. Uh, but if you enjoy doing that, like, do it. We want those muscles to contract. I want to have that increase in myokines. And that's going to help with that gut health. Specifically, it's going to help with your brain. It's going to help with all these things that we talked about. Um, and it's just like, why, why don't we do that, you know? And being active is going to help with decreasing uh, fat mass as well. 
because we, we know that because and i'm not trying to be dramatic here but like high amounts of fat like is low-grade inflammation some people say it's like poisonous i think that's way too dramatic um that is also going to affect your gut and so if you can kind of do things that allow you to get your biggest bang for your buck like that comes just from being active uh and it's you know it's one of those things that again you can listen to this podcast as a someone who's 50 or 60 and be like dang i really wish i had done that when i was younger like you can start now like now is better than than never (laughs) you know what i mean and if you have kids or if you are a coach and you can like influence younger people like kids who have active lifestyles um have been shown to have more diverse gut microbiota they grow up into adults with more resilient guts so you know it's one of those things where we we want people to uh to keep active um and to uh i don't know to stay active it's like it's really hard sometimes to get sad i'm like why are we so inactive? Like there's a whole world out there, you know, like do anything um, because there's a lot of cool things that, that happen when, when you do. So um, yeah, let me get into my sad pit here now. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's also really cultural, which is what I noticed. And like one of the big reasons, I guess I'm here in Costa Rica, but I'm not going to get into my whole hippie philosophy on that. But <laughs> Um, we sit we sit so much like all we do is like sit in front of computers and we're just like these productive machines and there's just so much more to life and i think even if you're listening to this and you're like well man i don't want to do like a crazy uh, workout routine like that's not where you can start like just start walking like just think about how much we sit all day and even (laughs) just like starting to move your body with daily activities like going gardening doing your yard even cleaning your house and like doing stuff around the house just moving is good Mm-hmm. yeah park far away when you go to a grocery store mm-hmm. like shit like that i love doing that because i'm like ah, oh, just get an extra five minutes outside or whatever like it doesn't matter to me you know <laughs> um but i know that's asking a lot for some people also like you know so maybe go get the mail mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like dumb and like very simple but for some people that's a lot mm-hmm. and if that's you do it good for you and then work on going to your neighbor's house mm-hmm. and then a little further and a little further and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when work from home happened, like <laughs> yeah. I, I have clients that I talk to and they'll be like, yeah, sometimes I'll look up and it's been like six hours and I haven't moved from my desk. And I'm like, all right, let's start setting a timer <laughs> every 60 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Like your job is fine. We can get up for five minutes and go downstairs and refill your water bottle or um, just do a couple stretches right next to your desk, whatever. Like be an average employee people. I'm going to keep saying this until the day I die. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like be <laughs> an average quiet employee. Quiet quit people. Quiet <laughs> like, quit. <laughs> because Mm-mm. they also, will replace like, you at, you know, immediately. When you struggle to get up off the couch at age 60, your old manager isn't going to be there to help you. Exactly. Like, if you're not yeah. prioritizing they're, you and taking care of yourself, like, they're, they sure shit aren't. They're going to be yeah. dead and they're still going to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're still going to call you and be like, oh, we need you to come in. You're like, this no, is, I retired this 10 years ago. Bob buddy. from the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, I... You know, Casey works in a, at the hospital and I work from home. And so they're like, if I don't play video games or if I don't like talk to people, I'll like 
say something out loud and I'm like, oh, oh fuck, I haven't talked in like seven hours, which is just so weird for me because, you know, I was in a school setting for 10 years where it was like consistently talking to people and that da da done. And I don't get on like Zoom calls and conference calls all the time. So it's like, yeah, there's just days where it's just silent. And I'm like, I'm going to go crazy. Uh, so, yeah. Rose just having full conversations with his cat. With yeah. My, yeah. She's, she's back there. She's back there in her little box. <laughs> I do it to bed. Smooch. Smooch mm, is my yeah. buddy. I'll just talk to her like she totally understands. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my cat just walks away. She's like, please, <laughs> please Leave don't waste me alone. my time. <laughs> I'm like, just love me, Celeste. Please. Well, I love this. I feel uh, like we could talk about my... I feel like there could just be a whole podcast added to Myokines. <laughs> like, you could just probably yeah. learn forever and ever about this. So, thank Myokines you, unfiltered. For, for sharing all Of course, I love this shit. I know. Uh, <laughs> Big, juicy brain. <laughs> Big, juicy brain. Get it, Brandon. <laughs> we are all accepting new clients. Ro is the master of all things exercise and performance. I am a non-diet dietitian helping you know your body better so you can feel better through nutrition and lifestyle support. And then Brooke and the West Nutrition Company team specialize in supporting active bodies and solving digestive and hormonal symptoms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at healthunfilteredpod and keep those awesome questions of the week coming. Rate us, share us, and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. And this is Brooke's favorite part. Take us out. (laughs) Cue that music. Bye, y'all. There we go. Peace out, everyone.